All right, welcome back to the gate. I was going to say the gate fifteen interview, Dave. Where where is my head? Welcome back to the risk roundtable in a new month, the lovely month of March, which ushers in spring and renewal and sun and flowers and rainbows and all these wonderful, joyous things. And as we start this new month out for the risk roundtable. We're sad that our esteemed colleague, big time Jennifer Lynn Walker, is unable to join us today. She is today briefing at the American Metropolitan Water Association's conference, talking all things water. ISAC will come back to water and cybersecurity in a minute. But while big time Jennifer Lynn Walker is not with us, we are very grateful to be joined by an awesome, awesome guest with us today. So before we allow Dave to speak, because who knows where things can go once that starts. Tracy, so glad you're here. Do you want to introduce yourself and say who you are? Sure. I, and I believe Jennifer is in Pittsburgh, right? So I'm representing the other side of the Commonwealth. That's typically true. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Representing the Western half. Yeah. So representing the Eastern half of the you Commonwealth right. of Pennsylvania, <laughs> I'm uh, Philadelphia based Tracy Mayleaf, also known as InfoSec Sherpa. Um, I guess my quote unquote claim to fame is that I was a librarian for many years. And then I made a career change into InfoSec, and I love talking about events in the news and how they pertain to people and, you know, cybersecurity policy and practices and whatnot, and I'm thrilled to be filling in today. No, we are really glad to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to, to chatting here in a minute. And I would be uh, out of line not to pause and, and give thanks for Dave Pounder being here. Dave, thank you for joining us today. Your presence is greatly appreciated. Anything I can do to pick up your spirits, Andy, and just make your day better, uh, I'm here for, and I'm I'm glad to be joined by Tracy um, as well. And and it is that is very unique. I've not heard the very the career path from librarian to uh, Sherpa uh, or cybersecurity <laughs> Sherpa, but it's very good. I mean, Andy's got a unique background himself, but uh, we'll leave it there. But. Uh, glad to be here as always, Andy. And I can see that I've given you the openings jinx as well. You know, you, yeah, you, it's yeah. contagious. It's contagious. Yeah. yeah. Dave, Tracy, even heard Dave and I, you know, do our, our weekly security sprint with others on our team as well. And over the last nine weeks or wherever we are now, Dave has yet to open the show up smoothly. So we're hoping that one day, one day it'll go as scripted as planned. But Dave, we're not judging. We're not judging. Obviously. No, not at all. Hey, well, all right. We've got a lot to cover as always more than we more things to cover than time will allow but we're going to try and tackle a few things here in our usual format we're going to jump into our main topics we'll talk about a couple of things there we'll jump into our quick hits we'll talk about things there we'll go into three questions where i've got three questions teed up today in a special format for my two wonderful colleagues as we're going to do a round of love it hate it or don't care when we get into later discussion. So looking forward to that. And I can already see Dave's brain circling <laughs> around thinking about that. But hey, let's get into things. And so before we do, before we do, Dave, anything you want to mention about last month's podcast on your end? No, well, I say no, and I typically go yes. Um, so I we did do the Nerd Out podcast. And, and this uh, last month, I did have uh, the the potties, the nerdies, uh, the two, the my my esteemed colleagues Bridget Johnson and and Joe Levy join us. Uh, Joe of great esteem with IAVM and and Bridget of Homeland Security or Homeland uh, HS Today. I'm 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 just mixing it all up today, Andy. You got me off track. Sorry. HS Today, um, and we we talked through a lot of the great uh, trends as we normally do, talking about. Um, you know, terrorism updates, what's the latest thoughts on and, and patterns we're seeing on that front. Uh, Bridget, as always, does a great job. And then and then we talked a little bit more about uh, venue security um, and, and the recent IAVM conference that, Andy, you were a part of. Um, but also, uh, it will be a topic that I have on my list to talk about a little bit today because we did have an incident over this last weekend about venue security as well. So a great podcast. I encourage everyone to listen uh, and pat myself on the back. Thank you. <laughs> it is a great discussion. They are both great guests. And I have to say, it is not a conference. It is a school. And so- it's Oh, a, that's right. Sorry. Sorry. Key distinction is you're not out there to have a good time. You're out there to be brutally punished for a week of learning and education. But we'll come back to that more and talk about more when you get to that topic. So I'll just say I had a great time uh, with Rachel Toback last month. She was a fantastic guest. Another Pennsylvanian, Tracy, that was part of the discussion, a Pittsburgh girl originally before she went out west. Oh. 
And I'm I, really excited. I about did this. not know that. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I didn't either. It was, it was, it was, it was fun to find out. And then this month, you know, we talk a lot about cybersecurity in the interview. We talk a lot about physical security in the interview. This month, we're going into a different topic of discussion than we have in the past with a, in, in this career field, probably to me, one of the most well-known individuals in this, in this space. And so I'm really excited to be uh, with a very special guest later this month to talk a very interesting and important topic um, that, like always, has controversy associated with it, but there's some really important things we need to consider. So that's coming up later this month. So dial in to the nerd out, dial in to the interview and whatever else we throw your way. And with all that, let's jump into things. So Tracy, you're our special guest today. So why don't we let you get things started for us with the main topics. Tee it up, pick the topic of your cho choosing and let's get into it. Absolutely. Well, the first one I wanted to talk about was, was definitely a new one to me. Uh, this was an alert issued by the Better Business Bureau talking about how scammers, criminals, are targeting people wanting to participate in craft fairs. You know, vendors would want to participate in craft fairs and, you know, you need to buy a table. It's, you know, they, a less expensive version than RSA, I guess, or some sort of cyber. So I'm not picking on RSA, but any, you know, sort of corporate conference, you know, those, those you know, you have to buy a table and a booth and all this stuff, but going after craft fairs. So that, that really bummed me out, you know, yeah. to look at the, from the human side is because, you know, some of these people, yes, that is their, their full-time job. And I don't know if you've ever been to a craft fair. There's actually a huge one in central Pennsylvania every July uh, called Arts Fest. And so for some of these folks, if you get talking to them, I mean, they travel around the country and maybe sometimes the world selling their crafts. I mean, this is their, their career, their life blood and then to find out that that's also now being manipulated uh really just bummed me out so i mean it's in some ways it's really no different than any other you know fish or scam but just this specificity of it really targeting crafting folks and a craft fair seems like a whole new level um and also i think it's fair to say and i'm not passing any judgment but I have to imagine that this group that they're targeting is maybe not as tech savvy uh, as some others. And again, I'm not trying to be mean or disparaging. I'm sure there are some very tech savvy folks. But again, I think on the whole, uh, you know, you might have some folks who aren't really tech savvy and, you know, might and might easily fall for this because they'll see an opportunity, you know, to to make a living by selling selling things. So the the Better Business Bureau uh, advice, you know, was, was typical, was very similar, you know, to other scam advice. It's just that this was, this target was so new to me. And I just wanted to kind of bounce this off of, of you two and see if you had any other thoughts or insights. I mean, is there any stone that has been unturned yet? You think that, yeah. <laughs> that scammers haven't, haven't touched? Um, what, what do you think? I think it's a great topic. I mean, you know, I'm looking at the alert right now and, you know, I think maybe another way to look at, rather than, you know, maybe this group isn't as tech savvy, I think for those that are sort of looking at threats all day long, like we're always thinking about it. And even with that, we can still hit the link. We can still open the PDF. We can still make a mistake. And so I think it's not really a matter of being tech savvy. It's just people aren't always thinking about threats the way that, you know, we often are, that some of our listeners often are, because that's not necessarily their world, right? But the adversary is, and I, you know, we speak about the adversary like a singular person. Obviously, it's you know, it's, it's, it's thousands of people out there. You know, there are threat actors are, but they look for those opportunities. And so I think of you know, I've either been to a craft fair, but I've been to train conventions, I've been mm -hmm. to uh, gun conventions, I've been to tattoo shops, you know, tattoo shows. Like these are groups that you know can be tempted to find a great opportunity, get excited about it, and. And they're not thinking about, you know, phishing scams and, and, and malicious actors all the time. And, you know, it's easy to make a mistake, right? And so it's really unfortunate that we see these things happening out there. And that's where I think our role is to try and help, you know, evangelize and, and share and encourage folks to really be sensitive and mindful. You know, in our daily paper, The Sun, for those that get that delivered to their box, you know, if you go down past the U.S., in the U.S. section, past the main U.S. content, before we get to the faith-based section, there's usually two, three, or four links on scams that are up in the news. Uh, and we often include items like this. And just being aware. And then when you see something that you might want to remind your 
grandparents about, your your fair craft fair partners about, whoever it is. I think it's it's really important to do that because there's just so many scams. Dave, I mean, you've been scammed, I think, what, four times now by people pretending to be Brett Michaels reaching out to you for relationship matters or something like that? Is that, am I up, is it four? Is that right? Yeah, five, but you, five. You're, you're right in line there. Right. And, and, and yes, it's easy to fall in. I, I think this, I've, I've not heard this before you brought this up today, Tracy. And, but it does just kind of, it continues to ring true. I think from all of what we see, it's sad, like you said, I mean, it's sad that this is where we're at. Right. But but like, think, I mean, again, and I'm sure there are some people who make very comfortable livings doing tra- the, the cra- arts and crafts and collectibles and all this stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, these threat groups, they, they look for any potential vulnerability to make any amount of money that just makes it sickening, frankly, to see how the, they continue to exploit people. Because, I can see, I can almost visualize how this scenario goes, right? It's like, hey, I saw all your things and I, I want to be able to, I love what you're doing. I want to be able to invest in what you're doing. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. And, and for that person who may be on the receiving end of that, it's like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Oh my gosh, I'm playing to your human emotion. I'm playing to those things that finally I'm discovered. Finally, I'm there. I, and I'm just using one type of scenario. I'm sure there's a lot of different ways that this approach can go down, but you know, there's a lot of opportunities there for people to be easily manipulated. And it's it's just very, I mean, that's where we are today. And that's, it, it's, it's very sad. I mean, but uh, I mean, this is, I mean, this type of group today, it, it could be, I mean, we see it on the, preying on the elderly, preying on parents, preying on any type of human emotion to get somebody to not think about you know, is this really legit or not? And and what are my actions? I mean, really, what do we keep talking about on some of these? Is like, hey, like take a step back, you know, look, breathe for a minute, and then and then really evaluate: is this something that is likely? And then then go through your checklist. What do I need to look at when I see these type of things? What you know, how do I do it? And the Better Business Bureau, I think, it's completely underrated as terms of government agencies that we tend to forget about. It seems like that's like a bygone era, the Better Business Bureau, but they do put out a lot of great insights. And I appreciate you bringing this up, Tracy. It's really important. Yeah. And I also just want to mention too, and I I read through the advice that they gave, um, it's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, they they are giving good advice. I'm not saying that they're not, but Scammers are very sophisticated because one of the advice is, you know, well, do, do, do your, do your research, do your homework, you know, does the craft fair have a website and things like that. True story, back in my sock days a few years ago for a global company, there was a major medical conference that was being spoofed and that people were falling for um, making their hotel reservations, making a hotel deposit. So the, like the housing the housing desk was somehow spun off into a clone. And I remember dealing with that. I actually created images to show people the real site versus the fake site. And they almost looked identical. I mean, I had to do one of those like highlights magazines, can you spot the difference sort of thing and and do a markup of one of them to show them. And, and that's the only thing is that, and you mentioned a checklist uh, which would be perfect uh, because they don't have that here. But that's what I'm thinking of. They're you know they're telling people to, to look in and do research, but if you can all you, you know you could easily be fooled by a fake website. So yeah, um, and they kind of drill down and focus more on how are they asking for the money, which I think is ultimately the best thing to keep your your mind focused on. Are they sending you to some site that looks wonky? Are they, you know, asking you to to do something that seems very unusual? That's not, you know, not a credit card or weird thing. So, like a like a site that looks weird. I think they gave an example of, you know, just like just to, you know, they're asking for gift cards or things like that. I, I think that should probably be the bigger focus because so many people, and I've seen it, you know, in in the real world in the wild, yeah. that like huge international conferences can get spoofed. I sure as heck think that 
some craft fair could easily be spoofed. The, the craft fair may not even have a website, but a scammer could create one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, you don't, you don't know. So that's why I, I, this this article just really impacted me because I, I thought that that they didn't really go far enough, in my opinion, with how to assist people uh, because the, you know, the research you find still might not be real. And if you're not trained in it, and like Andy said, if you don't look at it every day, it's easily to be easy to be fooled. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, especially in an environment where we're using more and more unconventional payments, right? Venmo and Cash App and Zelle and you know, there's a lot of ways to push money around so it's mm-hmm. more opportunity for compromise and, and as as the alert says you know once it's gone it's gone right you're not going to get your money back and from, from some of those opportunities so you know, good point and just you know, as we're talking about it right I'm looking at my inbox right now and often we discuss you know it's sometimes it's tricky to categorize something as is is this phishing and a cyber threat is this is this a scam there there's a lot of bleed over between them right but just as we're sitting here I'm looking at a lovely message from uh Download statement online, you know, a nice, a nice phishing email with a malicious attachment of some kind. Um, and, and I get those probably two times, three times a day, right? And I think of the uh, vast number of, of the same Asian woman who reaches out to me on Twitter and WhatsApp under a variety of different names. You know, it's a fake picture, obviously, but constantly, right? Scams of, you know, I'm interested in, the, in you, you reach out to me. And I think we see these bombard us in many different ways, right? Whether it's a, a, somebody purporting to be a female of some kind or a business opportunity or whatever it is, like the scammers aren't that sophisticated at times, but also, as you're saying, Tracy, they, they might be, they might be building that. Mm-hmm. Right? So we just, it just really, we have to be vigilant and we really have to help out those that aren't as, as dialed in as, as we often are because of the work that we're doing. And again, even then we can make mistakes. So great topic, great topic. Any final thoughts, Tracy, before we push off to today's main topic? Um, I'm just going to remind people that, you know, it's important to share this information in a non-fuddy, fear, uncertainty, doubt sort of way, uh, you know, with your friends and family. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, for example, I intentionally posted this on my Facebook, which is a very small circle of friends and family. Um, And I know a lot of people, a lot of InfoSec professionals don't necessarily like to share these sort of things with friends and family because they're always concerned about, you know, them becoming their personal infosec professional, but, you know, we need to get this information out there. And I felt like the craft fair scam was important enough to, you know, to put up with any follow-up questions because I I can think of actually a cousin who does some crafting. Uh, So, yeah. So just, you know, if you hear about these things, you know, like this, you know, just be sure to share if you don't want to an- if you don't want to answer follow up questions then provide a resource that will you know a- a- proactively uh and handle it that way uh because yeah if we don't share the- our knowledge with people they're just going to fall for it and then come to you after they get scammed when you can't do anything yeah. for them so it's better to be proactive deal with questions first uh because i've gotten those phone calls from family members after the fact and there's nothing i can do for them yeah, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So, hey, I appreciate it. It's a topic we don't get into often on the roundtable. It's a topic worth pausing and sharing about. So I appreciate your team that up as our first topic today. We'll share the alert. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. And again, if you are a Sun subscriber, scroll down in the U.S. section. You'll see usually a couple, a handful of scam updates there. We can't include them all because, frankly, that could be its own publication. Uh, but they're out there and uh, we should be attuned to them. We should share about them. So, Tracy, thank you. We're going to move over, Dave. I think we're going to throw you the ball. I know you've got a pretty big topic uh, to cover. We won't get into the details of it, but I think it's definitely worth raising and putting on the radar. You want to take the ball? Yeah, and it kind of ties into some of the, what what Tracy's just been bringing up is is last week, and I teased this on the Security Sprint podcast, which you'll have to listen to as well. Uh, Andy and I going through the news, but um, really, the the um, on March second. The Biden administration announced the national cybersecurity strategy, got a lot of press, uh, a lot of different parts of um, social media, online, on websites, on news broadcasts as well. It's a really important document. It's really important for individuals and organizations alike to really look through this and just understand the strategy moving forward um, that the administration has put out. And again, I think it's important because the work that's been done through various administrations over the years 
um, has really been paying dividends over the last couple of years. I think we've seen a lot of uh, positive developments, a lot of prioritizations. I think we can say in some spaces that there's been impacts with government involvement around critical infrastructure, around uh, ransomware threats and going after some of these threat actors. Still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of groups out there. We're still, Andy, I think we've been talking about the Oakland um, yeah. you know, city uh, ransomware attack. There's still a lot of people that are still falling victim to this. But with the announcement of the strategy, it really helps us understand where we're going, uh, at least where the United States is going, and hopefully with their partners as well. Uh, just to give you a couple key elements from there, there's there's a couple to you know to understand where they're going. They really are taking a fundamental shift in how they allocate roles, responsibilities, and resources within cyberspace, and, and two really big important factors. We must rebalance the responsibility to defend cyberspace by shifting the burden for cybersecurity away from individual small businesses and local governments and organize in onto organizations that are most capable and best positioned to reduce the risk for all. I mean, people can look at that as a good way because look, you know, some of these individuals, small businesses, and local governments, they they are simply resource constrained. We've talked about that time and time again about, you know, people wearing multiple hats and people bearing the responsibility of managing their family life and day-to-day -day family responsibilities. And all of a sudden they see this phishing email and, and they fall victim to it. There's a lot of things that are going on there. So I think there's a really important nugget in there. I think there's a risk of overreaching sometimes, but hey, let's see how that plays out. So that's the first part. The second part is we must realign incentive for to favor long-term investment by striking a careful balance between defending ourselves against the urgent threats today and simultaneously strategically planning for investing in a resilient future. And they goes into the vision. They talk about being defensible, resilient, and values aligned. And then they talk about the approach. And I think this is one area I'll just I'll, I'll hit and then we can we can talk about it. But it's really about building and enhancing collaboration around five pillars. So the first one is defending critical infrastructure. I think that's a really understood and, and uh, appreciated area, especially with what we've been seeing on infrastructure, uh, attacks on critical infrastructure over the last two years. Disrupting and dismantling threat actors and, and really looking at, I think, again, this is something that I think has been very positive uh, from the U.S. government and across other governments as well to really strategically employ the tools to disrupt adversaries, engage the private sector. Uh, so again, talking about that engagement between public and private sector and then addressing ransomware threat uh, with a comprehensive federal approach. All really positive areas. Uh, number three on that, the third pillar is shape market forces to drive resilience uh, and security. Uh, and, and really just promoting privacy and security of personal data, shifting liability for software products and services to promote secure developmental practices and so on. But the, here's where I want to talk. Well, and there, there's a fifth pillar, forge international partnerships to pursue shared goals, which, again, I think wholly applaud. I think there's been a lot of work here. The one I want to talk about is investing in a resilient future. And I think this is where really as organizations there's a lot of opportunities. It's their fourth pillar, but there's three elements of it. Reducing systematic technical vulnerabilities in the foundation of internet and across the digital eco ecosystem while making it more resilient against transnational uh, digital repression. We've talked about the number of vulnerabilities that are being exploited on a day-to-day -day basis. Andy, in the security sprint today, you talked about um, how the number of vulnerabilities that have been, you know, uh, that are being targeted have almost increased threefold uh, since uh, since last year. And then also in the CrowdStrike report, there's a CrowdStrike 2023 um, threat assessment report that's coming out. Uh, they they did a release of the press information earlier last week, but it'll be coming out in full later. They talked about just threats continuing to go after these vulnerabilities over and over again in different ways and creative ways because organizations just frankly are not responding or addressing them as fast as they need to. Talking about then this another part of this investment in resilient future is 
prioritizing cybersecurity research and development for next generation technologies, fully applaud. And then finally, developing a diverse and, and robust national cyber workforce. This, Andy and Tracy, this is an area that is critical. I think it gets underappreciated. I think in so many ways, you know, it is <clears throat> the workforce, the organizations today put it upon the individual to develop themselves versus really developing and providing the structure to go after certifications and advanced learning and training. Now, granted, some organizations do do this. They do provide funding for this. But often when you see job announcements, there's, hey, you got to have this certification and that certification, this qualification, that qualification. There's not enough about investing in the employees that we have and continue to enhance their professional development. So I was very excited to see this as part of a pillar strategy, as part of the moving forward, because I think that more and more organizations, in you know, again, the fear I think on a lot of levels is, hey, I'm going to pay to train you, and then you're going to you're going to go somewhere else for a better paying job. I I fully get it. I fully understand that. But we also have to make those investments in employees and individuals, especially if we're going to put those responsibilities upon them. So I'll pause there and just kind of pass it around the room and see what you guys all think about that. Yeah, great, great topic, Dave. Uh, Rachel actually spoke about some of that, you know, importance of training your personnel in our interview last month. So I appreciate you highlighting that point. And uh, there's a, a number of things I want to sort of touch on relating to the strategy. But Tracy, let, let me give you the ball first. Anything you'd like to comment on or opine about? I think you're on mute, ma'am. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, I said, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you, got, you got a little time. You got a little time. Wow. There's a lot, a lot for me to say here. Yeah. Um, so where, where to begin? Yes. The, okay. So here, let me, I'll put my, you know, librarian hat on for a second. Um, what we are really lacking and it ties into, into all what was just discussed is we are really missing a centralized and standardized classification system. And I don't mean just for like one on the one side, on the industry side, we need this for industry terms. You know, a lot of times I see people using threat hunting and threat intelligence interchangeably. And that is not how I was taught. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I've actually, you know, I, I actually had an interview recently where it said threat intelligence, and then they start talking to me, and I said, "This, these sound like threat hunting skills <laughs> you want, and that's different than what I was thinking of when I did this. Um, but we also need it for the community and the recruitment side. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many misunderstandings about which cert to get, what, you know, what you need to learn, is coding necessary? I think that scares a lot of people away. Um, I just, you know, the bottom line is we are a very young industry, you know, compared to other industries. And so we are still growing uh, and we're still new, but yeah, we, we need a lot more of this standardization and centralization and classification, which I'm hoping that this initiative can do. Uh, because I, I think it's very difficult to pull folks into this industry when there is so much confusion. Um, you know, just, you know, eight years ago when I was looking to make a career change, I had people say to me, oh, just get a CISP and you'll be fine, the CISSP. Uh, and this, you know, they make it sound like I could just go to the grocery store and get one. <laughs> that, that's not how this works. Now, I know that ISC Squared uh, more recently has stepped up and put out some some statements of clarifying of, you know, the, the CISSP certification is not entry level. Um, but that's the problem. We still see these outrageous requirements on what are listed as entry level positions uh, for InfoSec. And then on the other hand, you have people screaming, InfoSec is not an entry level industry to get into. So which is it? <laughs> which is it? Do we want, you know, uh, and couldn't you argue that with any industry <laughs> that, you know, so I don't understand why we think we're special, that we can have entry level folks. Now, my excuse of how I got in is I was a mid-career, I was a career changer, which we're also not, in my opinion, not really catering enough to, 
you know, we, there's a lot of focus. There's so many scholarships and internships and financial incentives to get young people into InfoSec, which is great. I'm not besmirching that. But imagine if you could have someone, maybe, you know, a mid-career person who worked their, their whole life in accounts receivable and saw and has seen more, you know, phishing invoices than your average sock person to help you build a strategy around that. I don't want a career changer who didn't have, you know, who didn't know how to code and didn't have a, 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 a firm background, you know, in, in tech. Um, you know, and true story, when I was on my very first InfoSec interview uh, for a SOC job, they said to me, we can teach you the tech. We can't teach someone all this other stuff that you know. So they brought me on board and they trained me. They sent me to a SANS you know, class and I learned on the job and I learned through SANS and I brought all this other, you know, data and knowledge and insight and you know help make the sock better from it so i i feel like we're not really putting enough effort into the mid-career changes so i'm hoping that this initiative addresses that um you know bringing people in and really just kind of deciding what are we you know are 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 we bring you know do how do we bring people in and keep them and how do we classify categorize all this information that we have, because right now it's just kind of like a bookshelf fell over and everything is all over the place. Um, I would really prefer to see a lot more organization uh, in this industry. And I'm just, I'm hoping that this, these seeds here can, can grow into that. Yeah, it's, it's tricky because you're right. I mean, some of the challenges in the industry are, are not, you know, they're not unique, but I don't know if any industry has had to deal with these challenges and growing amid so much you know, onslaught of, of adversarial action, which makes it challenging, right? Hurricanes are predictable. We know when they're going to come. We can plan and build and prepare. And, and in the information security world, is just, it's just constant, right? So it is, it, is, it is not unique, but also unique in some respects. But some really mm -hmm. good points you brought up there. And something that comes to mind for me is in, in every industry, you always have um, purists and, and sort of prima donnas and there's really no room for that, right? Anybody thinks they're a, a, a blank purist, I kind of already dismiss them because I think, you know, you're, you're going to be obnoxious to me. But, you know, you've got to make room for other ideas, other approaches, other experiences to really get a holistic understanding of any topic and bring in people with a different perspective, a different skill set, like you mentioned that AR, you know, individual, for example, that's a type of sort of, you know, broader perspective you take on these things. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a technical analyst. I'm not a, I'm not a coder. I have my role in, in the universe. Other people have their role in the universe, right? And, and we all work together trying to collectively, you know, cre create a secure environment as best we can. So I've got some other thoughts on, on the, um, the strategy, but I want to pause if there's any more discussion on this topic that, Dave, if you want to throw anything else out there, Tracy, before we, before we push on a little bit. Nope, all good here on my end. Okay, well, I'll share a couple of things. I know we're getting close on time, so I want to push a couple of things. So it, it, it's worth reading. We'll share the link. You can you can read the announcement. You can read the notes. I really like this quick take um, Lucas Ropek did in Gizmodo over the weekend, where he looked at those pillars and he gave them a little bit more of a layman's uh, terminology. So Dave Dave announced them in White House terms. Lucas's uh, variation of those same terms, and we'll show a link for this as well. Um, number one pillar, protecting critical infrastructure, aka making sure really important stuff doesn't get hacked. That's right. That's that's the goal there, right? Number two, the U.S. will keep kicking bad hackers in the ass. I think that's the guts of what they're saying in pillar two. Three, making sure the tech industry prioritizes security. I think that is the intent. Four, acknowledging that the internet is held together with bubble gum and bailing wire, a true statement. Five, make sure the rest of the world is on the same page about kicking bad hackers in the ass. Lucas, good summary. I think that does capture the spirit of it. Um, I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of commentary in different groups, different circles on the likes and dislikes of the strategy, uh, the likes and dislikes of potential regulation, which I think is where the administration is coming from. Uh, we'll share links. The House Homeland Security Committee immediately put out a statement sort of pushing back on regulation. They've been pushing back on regulation and regulation language. Uh, since the, the Republicans took uh, control of the House. So there's definitely a lot to be figured out in the weeks ahead. Some industry folks are on board with the direction the White House has taken. Some are not. There's a lot to look at, a lot to consider. Um, we'll share the links to both the, you know, the primary source here and some references. 
But I want to take a minute to pivot to a related topic that once this came out, I should note this the strategy was sort of teed up uh, while I was in Pittsburgh. Uh, CISO, CISO Director Jenny Shirley was also in Pittsburgh, speaking at Carnegie Mellon, where she sort of teed up some of the direction this was going. And we'll share the link for her speech there from CISA. But um, just after, on the, at the end of last week, uh, then the EPA came out with an important announcement regarding water cybersecurity. So let me pull up that announcement, which is buried here in my collection of links. Um, and so here we go. So on the 3rd of March, EPA takes action to improve cybersecurity resilience for public water systems. Basically, they're saying, hey, states, you've got to incorporate cybersecurity into your audits of, of water utilities, right? That's a, another level of attention that hasn't otherwise been there. And so um, there's been a lot of coverage of this, a lot of response. <clears throat> Again, we'll share links. The uh, always reference on this podcast, Catalin Simpanu uh, did a nice summary over the weekend in Risky Biz News. Um, and I want to reference, I think we mentioned big time, Jennifer Lynn Walker. Jennifer was quoted in a couple uh, publications, SC Media, and also Sean Lingus and CNN, where Jen uh, speaks here. I'm going to quote, that greater public attention on the issue, water security, has brought improvements. The Water Information Sharing Analysis Center, the Water ISAC, an industry hub for cyber threat data and best practices, says membership now includes facilities that provide water to most of the U.S., in quotes, multiple water sector associations embrace the need to help water systems bolster cyber resilience. Jennifer Lynn Walker, the Water ISAC's Director of Infrastructure Cyber Defense, told CNN, the larger systems have been leading the charge for years, so I think we can adapt that effort toward the medium and smaller systems for the greater good of the sector. Read more about it. We'll share the links for the EPA announcement, for some of Jen's quotes, some other uh, references talking on that topic. Good, good discussions have been had sort of pointing the direction the administration's taking and pushing some regulatory oversight on cybersecurity matters for critical infrastructure. So a few interesting things here. Before we move into our quick, quick, quick second round, Dave, Tracy, anything you want to add on this topic? Um, no, just I'm, I'm happy to see, and since I am from Philadelphia, I do say it water. Um, I am uh, thrilled to see the water uh, um, uh, utility getting the attention it deserves. I feel like it gets overlooked. Uh, I think utilities in general uh, get overlooked. I feel like, uh, you know, ele electric probably <laughs> get, gets the most because that impacts people um, more immediately. But yeah, if you can't, you know, if, I mean, look, look at the, the folks in Flint, Michigan still dealing with that. And, and as far as we know, that wasn't any intentional sabotage, but can you imagine, you know, your life if you have to boil all the time because, you know, the, your your water utility is under ransomware. So I'm glad to see that it's getting attention. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's our infrastructure is in desperate need of, of some some updating. So I'm just I'm just thrilled to see this happening. Yeah, yeah. Water, I mean, to me, is one of the two most critical lifelines, right? I mean, you got to water, you got to power. Those two above and beyond everything else, the most critical of critical infrastructure. And I'm really grateful that our team's able to help support uh, that critical sector, physical and cybersecurity. Dave, anything you want to add on that sensitive topic? No, I just further evidence of why Jennifer is just the big time. I mean, to be quoted like that, I'm sure she's fielding media requests right now. So yeah, Jen, thanks for even putting up with us. Yeah, yep, completely. So, hey, let's, let's go into the next round. We got to do this quick team. So uh, Dave, we'll start with you this time, and then we'll come back to you to wrap it up. Tracy, Dave, second round, yours. Yeah, so I'm going to just call out, this is something I've talked about in the past on Nerd Out and some other places. Uh, over the weekend, there was a uh, stampede incident at a concert. Uh, one dead, one person died, uh, nine people were hurt. Uh, the the cause uh, was attributed back to some people were hearing gunshots. And in regardless of what it is, it just speaks to, again, what we're talking about. And, and I know concerts are, happen year round, indoors, outdoors, all, or, all over the place. Uh, we do get into starting to see with the warmer weather, more uh, of these type of events start to do moving outdoors. Um, and as such, you know, things like Astro World come up. We've had other um, incidents, uh, again, uh, even going back to, uh, you know, with Korea, where they had the, uh, the, the, the previous stampede in which many more people were uh, killed or, or hurt. Uh, these type of things are ha uh, happen when we get into crowded spaces. 
Um, there's a lot of things that can set people off, especially where we are with uh, violence today and in, in the various incidents that we've seen. Again, that's not a political statement. It's just a statement of, of what we see in the news. People are concerned about this. And when they think they hear something, it causes panic and concern. Um, you, you know, from an organizational standpoint, we have to consider those areas and we have to look into them. Uh, we have to be able to assess those type of threats and risks and potential scenarios. And, and then how do we build our, you know, access points? How do we build our uh, incident response? How can we control or mitigate or reduce the level of risk to the point where people get seriously hurt or even killed? And so I think as we are venue planners, if you're out there listening, you know, these are the type of incidents that we get concerned about. And, and whether it's a big venue or a small venue, it really doesn't matter. We need to think through these processes. We need to train our employees on how to respond to them. And we need to do some exercises around them. Because again, until you feel some of those, and you can't replicate everything, you can't replicate a wave or a stampede, but you can replicate responses and, and you can do the best you can. It's, it's, it's a, not a reason not to try it. Uh, and not to do it. So with that, I'll I'll, I'll pause there and, and capture your guys' thoughts. Yeah, a good topic, a good topic, an important topic. I'll come back to that in a minute, but I'll give Tracy a chance to comment if you'd like to, Tracy. Um, no, I mean, yeah, it, it's the, it's just another uh, risk factor, you know, for these, you know, physical security. I, I, I don't, now, correct me if I'm wrong, it just from my observation of being in the industry a few years, it, it feels like a lot of InfoSec folks don't or rarely in, intersect with the physical security, and they probably should more often, um, even if just for communication aspects. Um, so, and again, making sure that uh, things are in place so that a, a uh, malicious actor can't intercept and maybe provide false information and cause a panic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely uh, an infosec layer to the physical security that I think needs to be uh, explored further. Yeah, we, I, we, sorry, go ahead, Dave, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think that's a great point, Tracy, because there's so much we don't think about is, is like, oh, that's the realm of the physical or that's the realm of, the, of, of infosec. It, I think we just can't afford to think like that mm -hmm. anymore. We really have to be in that blended environment. So that's a great call out, Tracy. And that's my my biggest concern is somebody manipulating uh, the communications. Uh, you know, again, to either you know cause a panic by saying something over a radio, you know, or causing a distraction. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if people have, like thought of that. Of you know, how secure are your physical team? communications. And yeah, definitely, I want more InfoSec folks and cybersecurity-minded folks to also think physical. Yeah, and that's a topic we talk about all the time here, right? We, we, we talk about blended threats all the time. An important topic, right? That potential for crossover effects. And to your point, Tracy, the ability for the adversary to manipulate physical systems may send out an alert or a warning, cause some kind of uh, panic, which could result in serious physical consequences, a definite, definite threat. And we've seen emergency systems be compromised in the past in a number of ways. So a great topic, Dave. On this topic specifically, um, I had the chance while I was out in Pittsburgh last week to sit and interview Dr. Keith Still, and we'll, we'll share the link for his Twitter feed. Um, just an absolutely remarkable individual, um, a, a Scotsman. He's done some great work in the UK and internationally, everything from the Hajj to uh, the Queen's funeral uh, to smaller scale events, looking at crowd management, crowd security. Mm -hmm. it, it's a really interesting and fascinating science. And, you know, the way people react in these uh, feared moments, right, whether it's at a mall or a concert can really impact things. And if, if planners don't properly understand, you know, how the crowd is organized and some of the exfiltration, it can really go sideways quickly. So um, this is another tragic incident that you covered here in the concert, but sadly these things do happen. There are ways to draw down that risk ahead of time. Uh, there are things you can do even during the incident to try and get things under control. There are technology solutions to try and draw down some of that risk. And you know, all of that is some of what we covered at, at IAVM this last week and at the Academy of Venue Safety and Security, I was gratefully a part of it. If, if this is an area that you have responsibility for, dealing with crowds, whether it's at a concert, or other special event or mass gathering, you should really explore 
the, the research has been done in this area. I think of Dr. Still, I think of Peter Ashman, one of my colleagues there, and others that have done just a sort of fantastic job of looking in these areas and providing some really good resources and guidance, some important considerations. So Dave, great topic. Thank you for bringing it up. Um, I think I'm going to leave it there for the sake of time, but we'll share the link to the article and, and, and more from there. Tracy, real quick, second topic, anything you want to cover there for us? Uh, yeah, there was an article in the Washington Post about um, uh, about loved ones being uh, duped uh, by uh, artificial intelligence scam, thinking that they were um, really talking to family members. And the the person who who posted this on LinkedIn so that I could see it uh, also made their own commentary, which I wholeheartedly agree with, and I'm going to expound upon. Is that uh, get you know give give your your loved ones uh, you know, I don't want to use safe word because that also has some other connotations and I'm not trying to get into an <laughs> HR issue with people or anything, but, um, you know, a password, a code word, uh, you know, to, if you're, if, if you think that someone may be trying to pretend to be your uncle or your child or your, your something like that, you know, have some, some validation system in place that isn't easily searchable using open source intelligence, you know, something that only they would know that hasn't been, been posted somewhere. And where I want to expound upon that is we need to take that a step further. How many times have we seen business email compromise of uh, a CFO email being sent, you know, wire this amount of money to this place, do it now? Um, you know, maybe we need to work in some of these code words and passwords into businesses to to try and cut into this business email compromise. You know, it's one thing when you're dealing with friends and family, uh, that's going to definitely be a lifestyle change, right? Of, you know, trust but verify in your home life. I don't know how many people want to do that, but if we, if we figure out easier ways to do that, uh, I think that'll maybe help a lot of people from being scammed, you know, uh, through emotional means. Uh, but I see this as a good launching off point of uh, trying to combat business email compromise and really kind of get some better checks and balances in place uh, so that you're not, you know, wiring things off uh, willy nilly. Uh, and, and a lot of these companies do have this in place, but it still happens. So it's not perfect yet. So yeah. uh, I thought that was a great article uh, by the Washington Post. It's by uh, Pranshu Verma. Uh, the title's called They Thought Loved Ones Were Calling for Help. It was an AI scam. It's from yesterday's Washington Post. Yeah, and, and that is in today's sun. If you go in there, that is one of the okay. ones that I think it is a good topic. Um, and we're not judging anybody's kink or use of safe words. That's your yeah. own business. And we do whatever you like. But you think about that, right? The safe words. And it's almost like a type of MFA, multi-factor authentication, right? Something you have, something you know, something you are. And having some kind of terminology that is not, like you said, publicly accessible that, you know, whether I'm the uh, the CEO, CFO, or I'm Uncle Johnny or whoever, you know, we can pass to verify another layer of security. That's not a bad thing, although it adds some complexity. A good topic. I won't say any more because I've got to respect our schedule. Dave, anything you want to add on to that uh, topic? Are we talking scams a little bit today? I think she hit on all the right points. I mean, this is, again, it's sad to think that this is where we are. But this is where we are, and we we do have to take our time and protect ourselves against that. So I think it's a great call out. It's just that these scams they don't ever go away. They just get recycled, and they get the, the new groups, and they find new elements. So I think the two areas that Tracy really brought up today just really reinforce that. I think it's a great call outs. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm thinking of The Office in an old episode of Michael and his safe word with Jan. But that's another story. Oh, no. Well, so, hey, we're going to we're going to hit um, real quick. We're going to do a very rapid three questions. Okay. Thank you both for the topic. So here's what we're going to do today. A little bit different as we did last month. So I'm going to just talk three quick things. And your response, either love it, hate it, or don't care. All right. And we'll, we'll give Tracy the floor first. So Tracy, okay. you can answer first. Love it, hate it, don't care. Dave, you can follow. I'm going to throw them out there. You guys feel ready for this? Yes. Damn, right. yep. All right. All right. First one, if you don't, and, and don't care also goes if you don't know, right? So first one, CISA, Cybersecurity Security Agency, just did a massive changeover of their website. Initial thoughts, Tracy, love it, hate it, don't care. I uh, haven't seen it yet. Fair. Dave? I I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. There's some information right there. But for, for me, I'm going to say overall so far, hate it. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Carson Wentz. I'm here with an Eagles fan. I'm here with ah, a ah. fan. Carson Wentz, former Eagle, 
He's now been on, I think, uh, like like 20% of the NFL's teams in his short career. Recently just dropped by the Washington, Washington Commanders. Thinking of that move, Tracy, love it, hate it, don't care. Uh, don't care. Don't care. He's no longer an eagle. Don't that care. Gla- that glass need ginger, you know, just needs to retire. <laughs> Ooh, Dave. I, I'm hoping that Carson Wentz will go to another NFC East team so he could have just as similar success a failure there. Uh, so let's have, I'm here for him to go on to the Giants. I was just going to say the Giants. <laughs> yeah. I was about the franchise tag. Oh God, Giants, uh, the Giants. I've, I've heard, I've heard talk of him going to Buffalo as a backup to uh, Josh. Oh, haven't, haven't those people suffered enough? I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. Last one. Last one. Creed three is now playing. Ant-Man is now playing as the MCU continues into wow. eternity and a new Indiana Jones movie is on the way. All these long, never ending movie series. Love it. Hate it. Don't care. Ugh, don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually starting to hate it. And so like, I, I never thought I'd get to this part with some of this, but it just too much continued too much of a good thing. I, you can never get Indiana Jones 4 out of my head now. I, I saw it. I can never erase it. I would have just loved to stop with Chris, uh, the uh, Last Crusade, but here we are trying. We, we've got number five just to save, pretend like number four never happened. Yeah. What we'll, we'll, we'll movie do I think of that happened in a movie series where, oh, oh Terminator, right? Terminator did one. Oh, yeah. Two, yeah. A couple, a couple variation. They were like, oh, no, those didn't really happen. So, hey, team, good, good answers. Great <laughs> topics out of time. So thank you both for today's yep. risk roundtable. Tracy, it's been a pleasure having you on. We we will welcome you back perhaps for another round of this or maybe on one of our other podcasts. Really appreciate your taking time out to join us. Thank you very much for that. Dave, less of a pleasure, but hey, it was good to talk to you again today. So if you're listening to this, just a reminder, um, the risk roundtable is coming out as part of our group in the DC area. You always remember DC 101's two for Tuesday. This is our two for Tuesday. You've got both the risk roundtable and security sprint coming out. Take a listen, enjoy those, the nerd out, the gave the interview, and anything else that you like. Thanks for joining us today. To my guests, thank you so much for being with yep. us. Have a great day and try to be at least somewhat kind of reasonably safe. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye.